Welcome. This is episode number 17. Happy New Year to everyone. In uh, season two, we are launching with uh, the program director of Girth Radio, Sammy Yunin. That was him. Um, found out a lot of interesting stuff about Sammy uh, in this conversation. He has an IMDb page. He's got a book on uh, on Amazon. And uh, one of the movies that he worked on was uh, nominated for an Oscar. I hope you enjoy this conversation with one of Toronto's uh, most unknown yet most creative individuals. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Bye-bye. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. This is take two. Take two. With Sammy. <laughs> Go back to your National Post days. My National Post days. Yeah. What do you want to know about my National Post days? So you're a writer there. I know you interviewed tons of people. Not tons, but I, I got around. Yeah, I was a yeah. doorknob. I, uh, everybody got a turn. Yeah. Sorry, what was that? I, I'm a doorknob. Everybody got a turn. <laughs> yeah. Everybody got mm. <laughs> Um. Okay, well, who who did you interview? Who did you talk to? What did you get um, to do there? It was pretty fun. Uh, you doing entertainment? Yeah, so I was a I was an entertainment writer. Um, so City uh, in Color, Russell Peters, uh, Jerry D, um, and then as well, I did a number of set visits. Uh, so I would go to a location, like TV shows, movies. Yeah, I did uh, Lost Girl uh, when that first started up, and that was pretty cool. That was the one with the um, uh, Anna Silk, and she's a succubus, a sexual being that sucks. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna go downhill from now. <laughs> it's not a family show anymore. Hey, this is this is all digital, uh, man. It doesn't matter what yeah, you say. Yeah, true. <laughs> We're not cutting uh, to commercial. Yeah, and then uh, another one was another fun one was uh, Rookie Bloom. And then that was really cool because it was a cop show. And so they were taking me around on the set and all that stuff. And then they took me to the prop room. And the prop room had all those plastic guns that they use for the show. Shotguns and small guns and handguns and all these things. I was trying to be all professional about it. But the lady could, the PR lady, she could see that. I got you one. wanted to play. Yeah, I wanted to play. <laughs> so uh, she's like, Sam, you want to handle a couple of guns? I'm like, yeah! So I, I, I got to load up a couple of shotguns and clock them and... And, and they are they're like they're like real without bullets or they're they they make the noise so when you pull the trigger there's a little dry click yeah uh, and they're plasticky so they're like uh, are they like light yeah they're light so yeah. they're not heavy you know anything like that that's um, interesting like I mean I mean I've heard stories well who's Bruce Lee's son was yeah you know uh, Brandon he, Lee Brandon Lee he died in a, like a prop accident yeah there was an actual projectile sometimes there is little projectiles and things depending on the shot that they're doing. Other yeah. times, um, they have they put these little uh, I think they're called squibs, where they put them into like the ground. You know when you see when somebody's running and all the little yes. things pop beside them. Yeah, so there's yeah. no projectiles; they're just little pop. They're little firecrackers basically that they're pop, pop, up. pop. Um, that's why people are always like terrible shots in movies, right? <laughs> You'll be shooting in the <laughs> air, but it's and all it's on, the ground. on the ground. Yeah, and it's just because it's hard to like you know. But other times, yeah, when there's certain time, it just depends on the effects or whatever that they're doing. Uh, but these were all just like props in the prop room, so they were just sitting there. Nothing was loaded or anything like that. Yeah. So, and I, and I didn't shoot at anybody too, like just in case it was a brand new <laughs> thing. I just was aiming at the on wall. the wall on the floor. Yeah, so, <laughs> but even when they took me to the jail, they have um, a jail there. Um, obviously, like a set. Yeah, set jail. The um, the bars they look real. They're painted. 
Yeah. But they're rubber, so that way nobody hurts themselves. Uh, Does that make sense? So they have those fight scenes in the... Uh, yeah, so if you throw somebody up against them, yeah, it, they just obviously put a sound effect in there. So then you hear that little metal when somebody gets banged up against it. But in real life, it's just rubber, so it's like, all right. You should write a book like the inside scoop on... Just give all the dirt? And, yeah. <laughs> Things you didn't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's movie magic. I've, I've done a lot of work on film sets and stuff, right? Yeah. And so... Um, what sort of stuff have you done? What kind of stuff I've done? I've been a uh, writer, producer, uh, actor. You've written stuff? Yeah. What have you written? Um, so a friend of mine, um, here's a good example. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Jerome, he worked on a short, and we were filming at Women's College Hospital. A short, a, mo- a, sh- a short yeah, movie. Mo- short movie. Yeah. We were filming at Women's College Hospital. and um, When was this? This was a few years back. I don't know anymore. I'm losing track all the time. But yeah, it was a few years back, and then... The um, the scene there's a scene where uh, the doctor comes out and she has to tell the main character that his father died or whatever, but the scene wasn't working. Just the way that the the dialogue between the doctor and the the son it wasn't working. So he's like, Sammy, can you rewrite this? And like, we have to shoot it now because we had the women's college hospital booked, we had everything booked. So I went into one of the rooms where the hospital beds were and I just lay down on the bed which is kind of weird and then uh, and I rewrote the scene and I rushed back and we had to give the lines to the actors the actors had to memorize it quickly yeah. and then we had to shoot it all because we only had this location for a certain amount of time Yeah. and so thankfully they did and we got it done in that actual um, in one of the scenes too one of the establishing scenes um, uh, I play a dude who died so I was um, so a friend of mine an extra was pushing him pushing me on the um hospital bed and I was underneath the sheet and I was so good I fell asleep so <laughs> I didn't move at all so I was like super dead wow so there you go that's what I delivered to the what I bring to the party nice and so what was the name of the movie coin laundry coin coin laundry yeah. okay so you can it find was, it somewhere yeah it might be floating around I'm not sure if Jerome put it online or not Jerome's actually been doing quite a number of other stuff um, he worked on a new one just now would we know um, Jerome yeah he's come in here What's into Jerome's last name Jerome Skeet he did a movie called Hum. Just came out uh, this last summer. It's another short. Yeah. Um, and that one deals with dementia and stuff like that. It's really good. And uh, I did an interview with him here at Girth. So, um, what? Um, what? Why didn't you continue that way? Or are you still in the movie just, business but incognito? It. Um, I oscillate. So, oh, there's a fancy word for the. <laughs> <laughs> I oscillate between like projects. So whatever kind of comes up. Um, that's kind of interesting or that's kind of fun, I'll go do it. So if this week is there's a movie project, then that's great. I'll go do that movie project. If there's this week is next week is like um, something to do with girth, then I'll go do that. You know what I mean? So there's no um, there's no agenda, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, I just kind of go with the flow. Yeah? Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Go, people say what you go with your muse or you follow your muse or whatever that's saying. Yeah, that too, too. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, too, even with film sets and stuff, I like, it's it's just learning, right? So, um, I did, I had an agent for a while, and so I was doing a number of auditions and doing a number of acting gigs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was very frustrating when you're an actor because you just go and you just deliver your lines and then you go home. That's all you're really supposed to do. But I want to learn, so I would hang out with the crew and I hang with the director, and I, I ask the crew members about the lights and about the cables, and th- and they're like, "Why is the actor? It's so out of line, out of character, literally. That for an actor to be like, "Yo, why why do you put the lights here? What does this light do? Why why do you use this light, not this light?" 
but it's just it's an opportunity to learn because that's the best way to learn is just to kind of show up and hang out. Interesting. So was it what? It's back in 2005, Coin Laundry? Yeah. I'm just looking on IMBD. Yeah. You found it? Produced by, directed by... Yeah, Jordan like did Evan? a great job. Evan? Yeah. Evan Agard? Mm-hmm. I don't see. How come you're not on here, man? I have an IMDB. Or do you? Yeah, I do. Look at you. Yeah. Sammy Yunin? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's look that up, man. Like, we're doing this on the fly. Yeah. My crack research team. They didn't. They go. didn't find this out. Where are you? I don't see you there. There one there? Someone not there? Yep. That's you? Mm-hmm. Look at you. Like, this, like you've made it once you got, like, your own IMDb page? Oh, it depends. What is my star rating? Is it going up or down, though? I don't though? know. <laughs> you can see if it goes up or down? Yeah. Garbage Dreams. Yeah. That's your one credit. That's my one credit. And then there should be another one. Um, I did a CFC movie. I was groom Someone not there. Just pretend. Best friends. Come again. Yep. So Second someone chance. not there, I was a music supervisor for that. That's what I'm saying. So I kind of roll around. Look at you. And um, how do you get, like, do you set this up yourself? No. Um, IMDB takes... I think you're the first, by the way, after, you're the first IMBD guest. Oh, that's on, on Welcome, cool. So that's awesome. There you go. What a way to start off 2016. There you go. We're, we're, <laughs> we're classing up the joint now. Yes. Okay, um, so yeah, so how, how does this work? No, um, so IMDB is, um, they, there's a couple of different ways. One of the most popular ways that uh, people, um, production companies just submit the information to IMDB. Mm. That's usually the mess. Other ways, is they just find stuff online, they scrape the information, that kind of stuff. Okay. What was Garbage Dreams about? Garbage Dreams was a friend of mine, a filmmaker from New York City, and it was a documentary, and it followed um, a couple of uh, Egyptian kids. So in Egypt, they don't have trash collection the way that we do with the blue bin and the green bin and all that stuff. Yeah, um, It's a group of people that are really poverty-stricken, and um, and so basically they literally go around collecting garbage. And so it follows... It Oscar-nominated, man. Yeah. She look at you, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> it made the short list. They didn't make the... Uh, That's awesome. Sorry, go ahead. I, remember go what, ahead. I think it was something like The Cove or some, one of those fancy pants documentaries won that year. So, But yeah, Garbage Dream was great. And um, we got to, um, we went down to South by Southwest and we got to premiere yeah. it there. And that was really neat. Um, and then kind of, um, and it was, South by Southwest was amazing because it deals with, um, it's a really, it's not even because I'm participating in it, but just it's a really cool documentary. The best documentaries are Windows, right? Where you can see. Sure. Um, a whole different lifestyle, and to see the, these kids and how they live in Egypt collecting garbage. And then they're also, uh, this is a group of people called the Zebelin, and so they are also amazing because they're also able to recycle almost 90% of what they collect, hmm. right? And whereas in Canada and other Western nations, I think it was something, I kept the stats in the film, but it's like 30% or 40%, like with all our engineering and technology and stuff of this, we're worse off than these uh, quote-unquote garbage people. That's very interesting. So, we took the film South by Southwest, and then I thought the documentary is good, but I didn't expect it to connect with like a Western audience or whatever. It's sold out; all the screenings sold out. I was really impressed. What was your role in that? Uh, film? Um, so I just kind of helped out. Um, so I had some connections, or whatever, with some of the people in Egypt, or whatever. The director, Maya Skunder, she's uh, she's American Egyptian as well. Um, so I kind of just helped her th- uh, connect her with a couple of people to interview. Facilitate some stuff. Um, helped her. so she was also had a crowdfunding thing. It's called Women in Film. So I helped her uh, raise a few funds that way too, as well. Got it connected to a few people, things like that. And I put some money in. Good stuff. Yeah. Look at you. 
making stuff happen. So this, yeah, this is kind of stuff that you do on the go. We kind of got sidetracked. So National Post, you're you're there. How long were you there for? Um, a good few years. Um, because yeah. it was freelance, right? So okay. Um, so it wasn't. Yeah, just here, in and out. Yeah. There. Who was um, who was one of the more I don't want to say worst interviews, but someone you know you walked away go man that kind of sucked. Yeah. Um, it's always so. The thing is with sucky interviews, the I kind of understand having been on the, uh, both sides of the fence, right? So when you're in entertainment, you get pushed into these positions where you have to answer these questions and stuff like this. And it's very frustrating because it's it's probably the least um, attractive part of the job that you got to do. So like with Seating Color, for example, he didn't enjoy my company at all, right? And that's fine. And I understand where he's coming from because it's like... A lot of people, um, from his perspective, I think a lot of people will sometimes come to him and say, you wrote a great, a great album, I love your music, I love everything about you, you're a wonderful person, whatever. And then they go write something com- total opposite. Interesting. So, you, so you ha- you, it's hard to build that trust because you don't know who this person is. If you're sitting down with like Howard Stern, you know who Howard Stern is, mm. right? You know who Oprah is. So if you're doing those interviews... Um, Charlie Rose is another one, right? You yeah. know, those ones are established and you know exactly where they're coming from. Yeah. Some dude from the National Post, right? Even Who if is he is man? on IMDb, it doesn't mean anything, <laughs> right? So you I don't did, open up saying, hey, uh, Dallas, uh, by the way, uh, I'm Sammy, I got my own IMDb page. No, no. nobody. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> no, it's even terrible for meeting women because then you have to like, anyways... But yeah, so you have to, like what? <laughs> you have to open <laughs> the phone. Leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to show them. Look, yeah. I got a page, but yeah. really, there's nothing. Yeah, there. yeah. So just hustling for uh, <laughs> women are not impressed. Um, and so that's the thing. And yeah, it just can be very frustrating because so it's hard for him to build that trust. So I understand totally where he's coming from. Russell was another one that Russell Peters was another one that was kind of um, hard. Um, because um, when he would be sarcastic and making jokes and stuff, I would I would sass him back. Yeah, and so he wasn't used to that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he so he couldn't tell if I was making fun of him or what was going on or whatever. But I was like, you know what? Why not have a good time? So who are who are some of the uh, some of the better ones? Uh, Gary D was awesome. He was super cool guy. Gary D. G- sir, I said, Gee, come G- on, man. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, still, um, Jerry D. Uh, Jerry D. Sorry, I'm still on um, Christmas time, Christmas break. Jerry D. He was awesome. He was a really cool guy. He actually read the Russell interview, and then he sent me an email, and he's like, "I really liked your Russell interview, whatever." Really? Do you interview other comedians, and do you like? Would you be interested in like sitting down and talking with me? I was like, "Sure." So, and this is just right before Mr. D started. So, he had just started uh, working on the show. So, yeah. um, so we got to talk about that and stuff like that, and it sounded pretty interesting. Cool. And what what was uh, fascinating about that interview, or why did you come away, you know, with a good feeling? Yeah, because it's um, it's always interesting to see because it's the same questions you're asking me. You're trying to figure out how somebody ended up where they got to, right? So you're trying to chart that journey, mm-hmm. and so his journey is very like he was a teacher, and like by all rights, if you're a teacher and you get into the gig, that's a good gig. You know, you get the summers off. Um, you could just ride that for a while. You know what I mean? There really isn't any reason or incentive to kind of leave that. Um, but he did, and he went to comedy, and he kept going, and now he's got his own sitcom and things like that. So it's really weird to leave something that has security, quote-unquote security, for something that is 
couple, he's a couple of bad jokes away, or the second album could get cancelled, or any of these things, yeah. right? And then you're like almost back to square one. So it's kind of interesting to see that somebody would be, take that risk. Interesting. Now I know you've. There's yeah. a bunch of interviews that probably never got published. I don't know. Yeah. Um, what's What's that like? Yeah, it's part of the process. Um, sometimes um, you get paid for those, by the way, or is it like, or is it just stuff that gets published? So, like, National Post sends you to talk to me. No, the at the time the post was running out of money, so no, they didn't pay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, in, in publishing is usually called a kill fee. So, if you're paid, if you're uh, supposed okay. to be paid, let's say a thousand dollars or something, you'd never be paid a thousand dollars. But if you're paid a thousand dollars to deliver the article and interview with Russell Peters or something, and then they chose not to run it, then your kill fee might be like fifty bucks or a hundred bucks or something like that. Okay. So then, and that's negotiated like, beforehand, or is that sort that's of just like a place? whatever the yeah, it's usually negotiated beforehand. Once the money kind of thing is um, put on the table, yeah, then yeah, they'll. But not every place has a kill fee. Sometimes they'll just say like, we can't fit, we can't fit this in right now, or like you go back after you've done the article and you're like, no, this is not really what we wanted. So that's it. We're not going to run it. Interesting. I know one of the articles, and I might be totally wrong here. Yeah. But one of the articles you wrote for the National Post was what I learned as a judge. Oh, yeah. No, that one did get published. Yeah. Were you actually a judge? Uh, Wipeout Canada. Yes. You were? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's, okay. First of all, for those who don't know, and and I'll be shocked if people don't know this show. Yeah. Um, but what what is Wipeout Canada? Wipeout Canada is basically is it considered a game show? I guess it is a I don't game know show. What it is? Reality um, TV. Reality TV slash game show uh, where people have it's like a giant obstacle course, like Mario Brothers. Yes, that's right? right. And um, they have to basically compete, and then the winner. I think at this time when I was the judge, I think they w- you win fifty thousand dollars. I think that was the grand prize. But there's like um, you have to jump over like giant balls and there are things swinging from the air that you have to dodge and I know it's kind of hard to describe but you need to almost see it like I remember first seeing it like on like Asian channels yeah yeah it's a very Asian Japanese kind of yeah thing it's just very wacky and weird and stuff like this so how does how does Sammy the the IMDB page guy get a gig as a judge so um I don't remember even how it started. But the PR lady, she was talking to me, whatever. She's like, you'd be a really good judge. <laughs> she's like, would you be interested in doing it? And part of the reason I think she said that was because after I, I did the gig was people come to you and they're so weird. Because there's this thing. And this is the thing, with, I think, with any reality TV. People want to be on TV. But All the right. problem is that the people that really, really, really want to be on TV, they have that warped sense of... Like, they don't have that same perspective. They don't know how weird they are. You know, like, a person that, like, really likes Star Trek, but then will wear, like, a uniform to, like, work? That's weird. That's weird, yeah. right? And it's, like, and it's fine to like Star Trek. I like Star Trek, too. But then it's weird to just take that into, like, real life yeah. where you don't have that division. Yeah. Right? And so that's the thing with Wipeout Canada. That people were, like, they were so weird. Like, they would, some of them would beg, and they were, like, please put me on TV. Please put me on TV. Like, TV was this weird, I don't know. It was like the end game. Yeah. It was just like op- magically open these doors. It was like being admitted to Harvard or something, right? Like if you got into Harvard, obviously you'd be able to write your own ticket. And being quote unquote on TV, people would now know I'm like this funny guy or I'm this like smart girl or whatever it is. And so they would beg and then they would just, it'd be all just like these weird characters with weird names and weird backstories and 
but and the prize is only fifty thousand dollars, so it's not like it's not like uh, it's gonna yeah, change it's your decent l- coin. It's decent coin, but it's not change your life money. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah, and. As far as I know, nobody's really from Wipeout has ever gone on to like bigger and better. <laughs> they haven't gone to IMDb, for example. No, they haven't. All right. So, were you like a like a, a TV judge, or were, were you sort of in the process of judging who's going to be on the show? Judging who's going to be on the show. Oh, okay. So, okay. Um, we held uh, me and a couple other people. We um, held it. Uh, it was held at the Metrotronic Convention Center uh, across from the CBC building, and um, they would just bring these people in. And then um, they would perform tricks for you too, and yes. How do you choose? Um, Cause it's, I like cho- an, it's, it's almost an athletic event of sorts. Yeah. So what I I was just choosing, basically, yeah, but I wasn't choosing based on athleticism because also with wipeout too, it's, it's more entertainment. It's right? more entertainment when somebody gets something to their face and then they fall into the the pool or whatever. Um, no, basically, I was just choosing based on. Um, uh, most engaging personality, somebody that should be on TV, okay. and somebody that would be like entertaining to watch. Yeah, because a lot of reality TV is like, and part of it is just editing, but a lot of reality TV is kind of like it's all based on personality. Sure, but you want to get somebody um, that's super fun to watch, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool and whatever. And in your pursuit for for women, yeah, how how does how did this help you? This, uh, well, because then it got rid of all of those ones then. Because then I saw how weird and wacky those were. I'm like, okay, that bunch is done. So that group is not going to qualify. My so, goodness. yeah, it's process elimination, right? Wow. Um, okay, interesting. So, you, so you're also a, you're a published writer? Yeah, I have yeah. a book on Amazon. If you put my name to Amazon.com or .ca. Look at you, IMBD and Amazon.com. Yeah. That's amazing. Yep. What, what's, what, what did you write about? What, uh, it's called Red Letter Nights, and it is a uh, book of poetry that all deals with the color red. Uh, so everything. Red Letter Lights. Red Letter Nights. Nights. Yeah. All right. Uh, there you go. Oh wait, you're putting it into Amazon let me, now. Let me, let me. We're checking it out now. Here we go. Red Letter Nights. Yep. N i g h t s, and then and then press enter. Is that how it works? There we go. Sammy Yunin. Yeah. Look at you. Wow. Red Letter Nights by Sammy Yunin. There you go. We love red. We burden this color with dissonant connotations. You use like big words. I'm smart, but don't tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so what's uh, Red uh, Red Letter Nights about? Um, So this is a digital book? No, no, it's a physical book. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it basically just deals explores the color red, which red is everything from love uh, to blood to Spider-Man to the Flash, and so each of the poems deals with one of those topics. And these are your poems. Yep, okay. I've done like spoken word. I've performed in. Um, of course, you have. Sam, you've done everything. <laughs> I haven't what done everything. You, what have you done? Um, but I've performed in uh, New York City, in Austin at the Poetry International Poetry Festival. Jeez. Um, yeah, so I've just kind of done a bunch of spoken word. I've opened for bands, um, small bands, indie bands, and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, so why? How how did this come about? Like um, you, you know, you wrote poetry, so you just decided, you know what, I need to yeah I publish it. How does that? Yeah, work? I met the publisher. I can't remember what uh, what event. I was some other event or whatever, and then we hit it off. We started talking, whatever, and then I was e- able to email her and stuff like this. Uh, they're based in Na- in um, they were based originally based in Vancouver, and then they moved to Nashville, which is kind of a weird jump. Um, and so, yeah, so 
from there, I just um, I sent her some stuff. She's like, I really like this. I like the color, I like the theme idea, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. And then, uh, oh, I got a rating. Yeah, you got like five out of five. You got like three. There you go. Nola. Oh, Who people like here? it. Look at that. Eh? Jeffrey Elliott. M. Wong. This is yeah. good. Yeah. All right then. Look, ten great. stars out of five. Someone gave you. Oh, look at that, eh? Probably this is my mom, though. But. <laughs> I was going to ask, is that yeah. you writing here? <laughs> no, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you're like self-published or? Um, it was combination. Um, they are a small little outfit, but. Um, what was the name of the uh, publisher? Trafford Publishing. Trafford. Yeah. Cool. And uh, you went on tour with this? Yeah, so I did. I ended up performing at uh, Austin International Poetry yeah, Festival yeah, yeah, right. and uh, a few other places and stuff like that. And it was good. Um. Yeah, I got to hang out, and meet a lot of other people and other other poets and stuff like that. And then it's just also good just to have like a book out. Oh, of course it is. Like it just <laughs> opens the the door. Opens the door to women. Yeah. Well, that's too. But no, but it was even talking <laughs> more professionally too, right? Like it's um, it's fun because then it's just like and it's weird because even though it's we're quote unquote supposed to be all like digital books and um, e-books and all that kind of stuff. It still is like super neat when people when you give somebody a physical book they're like you did this you wrote all this and like you use big words and it's like people are surprised and so yeah I think I'm gonna have to go buy this book yeah this put is, an Amazon review this is so like, I will yeah, well, I gotta buy it first and read it all right and then I'll review it <laughs> I won't use big words no that's for sure so like what so when's when's you know version two or part two coming out uh yeah there's a couple more already written uh right poems now, or books uh. I've written now t- two novels and then one. Hey, hold uh, on, is this can I find this here too? No, 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 they're not published yet. Okay, so these are all follow-ups. Um, two I got red dis- letter nights. Yeah. Okay. I got distracted with um, here with Girth Radio, so um, I think once once we get Girth Radio rolling a little bit more, yeah, then uh, I'll be able to sit down and then um, see if we can find a proper publisher and get the word out for that it'll be poems as well is that what's happening uh there's two novels and then one book of poems so what are the novels about the we're breaking news right here breaking news yes um the first a novel is um uh, i don't really have a proper title for it yet but um what's it about it's just basically uh i guess coming of age story but it's a dude and he spends his first year in university um away from home and uh in the dorm room and just adjusting to life and so there's just like um silliness there's uh romance there's uh wackiness um there's uh oh there's there's a sad moment too things happen wow so just kind of like because uh, you you get put into this little um, I spent a year away, first year in university in, at, uh, in the dorm room, and it was just there was a ton of like stories and a ton of characters and stuff like that. So I was like, this needs to be, and nothing. I've never really seen anything properly set like that. So I was like, let's do that. And then right. the other one is um, any shopping the movie option around as well. Yeah, I guess we could. I never yeah, really thought yeah, about it. it. We'll so, talk about that. All right. Well, <laughs> you, you can get the ten percent. And then the other one is um, I have to uh, clear the licenses for it, uh, but it's because um, uh, it deals with Marilyn Monroe. So dude hates his life here and he thinks life would be better if he could travel back in time and uh, hang out with Marilyn Monroe. So you so, have to get a license to? Yeah, because she's a dead copyright. She is? Oh. So even if like you use her name? Yeah, you have to clear it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Same thing with like if you use Elvis, 
Probably not Michael Jackson. I don't know about Michael Jackson. But um, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis, a lot of those dead celebrities, because they still make money off those things, mm. all right? And all the images and ideas and stuff like that. So Dead celebrities. Yeah. That's the business we should get into. Yeah. I mean, Michael Jackson still makes uh, about 30 to $40 million a year. Elvis makes about twenty. Interesting. Yeah, if you there's a Forbes list of dead celebrities. Really? Yeah, the richest dead celebrities. Yeah, and how much? You know how like every year they'll have like the Forbes power list or whatever, and like it'll be like Oprah and like Steve, Steven Spielberg and stuff like that. Yeah, they'll yeah. put out a dead celebrities one too, and they'll be those guys still pulling ton of coin. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, wow, so you've done a ton of stuff. Okay, so you started off a National Post, you did a couple of movies. Yeah. Uh, you wrote a book, you, you, you toured. Yeah. Uh, you opened for bands. Which bands did you open for, by the way? Anyone um, we would, uh, know of or hear? No, they were all small indie bands, and I, it was all over the place, too. Like, I performed at, uh, Cameron House, um, I performed at, um, what's the big room at U of T? The, cam- some convocation hall. Okay, okay. I performed in there. Okay. So, yeah, just kind of a number of places. Nice, man. Yeah. And uh, then you go and uh, start a t-shirt company. Subcuz! Yeah, subcuz. So what's that all about? Uh, a friend of mine uh, from junior high, uh, D.C. Is this online as well? Can we go to subcuz.com or something? Yeah. It should be there. Really? Yeah. Like S-U-P. S-U-P-C-U-Z. Oh, I don't know what I did to my computer. All right. Anyway, so, yeah, S-U-P. Did it go? S-U-P? C-U-Z? Yeah, dot B-I-Z. Biz. Dot biz. Yeah. S-U-P-C-U-Z dot biz. T-shirts made fresh. There you go. Everybody who's listening can go order their uh, their T-shirt here. Yeah. This, so is, st- this is still ongoing uh, concern or what? Um, Denny's had to – he's a freelance editor, so he's had to uh, – Who's Denny? Had, uh, he is my business partner. Okay. In the, um, so he's the graphic design guy. So we he and I come up with designs. Yeah. And then he'll sit down with a computer and he'll funk them all up and make them all look nice. Yeah. And then uh, and then I guess I'm the face or the business dude. Or you're the whatever. you're the cuz. The cuz. The cuz of the of the business. Um, and the model, that. as you can see. Is that you? Yeah. My goodness. I was much more skinnier I was back then. Say yeah. That. This is uh, well, we saw the same watch, I think. Yeah. Winter weight and then summer weight and. That's you too. All of them. With yeah. the beard. Yeah. Look at you, man. Skin in your mouth. <laughs> 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 well, people that are listening have no clue what's happening. We're just yeah. like looking at his. Well, that's nice. Who was yeah. that? Your cousin? Uh, no, that no. was a uh, right. coworker that uh, Denny DC worked with. Okay, so. interesting. Yeah, we that's cool. So, can I go and buy something from it? Can I go buy these? Yeah. Okay. I'll give you friends and family discount too. There you go. And we'll make things awesome. Happen. Go to subcuz.biz. There you go for this. So, so how did this? Uh, let me guess. This started because there was one day you weren't doing anything, and a buddy called you. Yeah. Seriously? Same, yeah. <laughs> uh, DC, he was, um, he wanted to go, he had a whole bunch of ideas for shirts and stuff like that. And then, um, I, he already know, like, You're a, crazy. Um, so he, he sat down with me and he's like, um, as we started talking, whatever, I said, I have some ideas for shirts too. So he's like, all right, let's do this. And so this is more like a, a side hustle, like a hobby than an actual business right now. Uh, but yeah, and then so we just kind of started putting out these designs. We did some, uh, boot, we had some events at the uh, clothing show. Um, yeah, and just kind of other events and things like that. And then so it's been kind of fun just getting out, meeting people and connecting with them. And then um, it's neat too because um, 
with the uh, like for example the clothing show or whatever I had a friend of mine who plays acoustic guitar so he came and he performed a couple of songs and stuff like that so we were able to kind of tap into the creative community that we hang out with and kind of give more people opportunities and fun gigs and things like that to do yeah I remember when I first met you and people go oh my god that's the sub cuz guy there you go <laughs> Not the IMDb guy though. Not See the, no. the IMDb priorities. Thing I don't yeah, know. Like the IMDb thing didn't pan out. What happens when? What's the most more more important thing? Um, then you you've got like I, I know you more from like your music stuff. Yeah. Um, New Music Ten and Sample Bank. Yeah, I worked uh, with one of your first guests, Kareem. For Awad. That, yeah, Kareem Awad. Worked with him on those things, those yeah. projects. Yeah. So tell me about these. Um, New Music 10 was basically, um, well, it was and it is uh, a pop-up shop. So every month I would put up 10 bands, and at the end of the month I would erase the whole thing and put up another 10. And it was a music discovery hey, site. Hey, what do you put up? Um, so we would, you'd be able to like um, listen and buy um, music from the 10 bands or 10 artists that I put up. Okay, what, like were these sort of... City and color type bands, or all these? over the place. Okay. Um, small guys who just were starting out, a little bit more established, medium sized guys. Um, I had the Darcy's Rara on there, like so. Um, it was just a range of bands, a range of music too. So some of it would be hip hop, some of it would be um, indie folk, like so. And that was kind of it. It was just a music discovery. I still think we need music discovery, but now as things have the landscape has changed. So when I started New Music Ten. This is before Spotify and some of the other Pandora and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, right? Now those things have kind of started and kicked in. So I'm not so sure how well they do in terms of new discovery because the algorithms, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you like uh, One Direction? Have you listened to New Kids, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It's kind of like a reinforced... Um, You're not really discovering anything new. You're more discovering what other people might like or some other music that might be related to what you like already. Correct. And it's the same thing with the Netflix algorithm, right? Like, yeah. I watched the Woody Allen movie um, Midnight in Paris. Yeah. All right? and Love w- that movie. That was a good movie, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. But it, it's, yes, it's a romantic comedy, but it's not like, quote unquote, like a romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah. But then when I finished watching it, Netflix was like, oh, you like romantic comedies? Here's how to lose a guy in 10 days. And here's how to like, <laughs> like movie. No, give me the Woody Allen type. Give yeah. Me, like, give me quirky. Yeah. And so that's the problem with the algorithm is just that it, it just can only do those broad categories, romantic comedies. And I'm like, the how to lose a guy in 10 days is totally different than a Woody Allen yeah. Midnight in Paris. Right. And so it can't differentiate and it can't figure out to give you more quirky um, or like complete opposite too. like you just watch a romantic comedy. Why not watch a horror movie or why not watch uh, something else? Yeah. Right. So what's happening with new, new music 10 now, you know, in light of, you know, the Spotify's. So I think for now, I think I'm going to just put it on. I think I'll probably put it on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I need to sit down with a lot and I think we just need to shut it down for a little bit. Okay. And then, um, and then regroup and then figure out it's still a good URL, right? So, I think there's something we can do. Maybe there's something we can tie it in with girth or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think music discovery is still a very important part, and um, it's something we need to figure out how to um, to do better. I think the Apple kind of talked about this when they released their uh, Beats Radio, which is like they wanted to not do um, algorithms; they wanted to do human curators. But again, the best curators in the world are always your friends. Interesting, right? Because they're the ones that know you. So, um, 
I don't know how. I don't know what the solution is. People are, who are much smarter than me, who use bigger words than me, are working on all this. Yeah. But there's still definitely like I know even working here with Girth, that um, there's a lot of a lot of really good music that's out there that doesn't get discovered, mm-hmm. right? And then Sample Bank, what's that? Sample Bank is um, uh, that actually. I'm hoping that we'll be able to finish that up soon the site is like 80 90 percent done um and uh is samplebank.com yeah is we'll, it? we'll get to it samplebank. no it doesn't no. exist it might we'll still be so, um, what, what is, so what's what's the thinking behind that just the thinking behind that is just that um it's another revenue stream for bands so you could put up your song or a sound that you've made, like a guitar riff or a drum loop or something, to be sampled. And it would just create another revenue stream for bands. Because the the main, the main primary one of the primary revenue streams for bands is when their songs get played mm-hmm. and the songwriters get credited for that. So, for example, in rap music, um, if you sample a Jackson 5 track, whoever wrote the Jackson 5 track will be listed as writers along with Jay-Z and Pharrell. Okay. Right? And so everybody gets paid. Uh, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You, uh, she didn't make a dime off that. Right? Remember how it was, um, Dolly Parton... was the Dolly Parton song? So the whole time that song was super popular, Dolly Parton was the one getting checks and doing nothing. That's a good deal. Yeah, it's a good for deal. Dolly Parton. Yeah. So that's the thing. So... Um, and that's the thing. Sometimes, too, with rap music, it's a little easier because a band will... Uh, a rap group will sample something loop it and then that beat if that beat is really popular or catchy or whatever it's out the door yeah. whereas a band who's like quote unquote like a rock and roll band and they can write their own some material and stuff yeah. they'll struggle to get their stuff out Interesting. there do you know what I mean yeah because yeah, yeah. people you sometimes especially with a band Radiohead is a great example you have to listen to the whole track right mm. to hear the whole song you can't just listen to 30 seconds and say I know what the song's about yeah right but if you listen to a 50 cent song like the first 30 seconds you already know the beat more or less that's right Right, the whole tune. Yeah, yeah with yeah, Radiohead, yeah. it goes as quiet, then Tom York comes in Wales, and then it builds. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Now, what's so you know? Let's get talking about music. Yeah. You know, so so the sample bank. You know, I want to get back to that actually. Sample. You know, this sounds like uh, SoundCloud, almost. Well, yes and no. SoundCloud is just for you. To, it's music. Um, it's SoundCloud is just um, sound discovery, so you can listen to podcasts, uh, songs, DJ yeah. mixes, that kind of stuff. This would actually be selling... Samples. Yeah, it's actual revenue stream for bands. Interesting. Now with... You know, you talked about... When we're talking about New Music 10, about, um, you know, the Spotify's of the world. Yeah. Um, you know, just recently, songs that sort of bit the dust, or I guess Google bought them out and kind of folded them into Google Music. Yeah. Um, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? That it, specifically. It's so I knew some people that worked at songs, though, right? Yeah. And the thing was, um, you would only be getting, about, I think it was about $50 or $80. And if you make, like, you'd have to, like, to make a playlist. Yeah. But you, a, a playlist would, the problem was that they wanted um, a lot of playlists by mood, right? So, for example, we had the Pan Am Games here. Was it last summer? Yeah. Uh, still on Christmas break. So, the, <laughs> the, so, yeah. So, like, you'd have to then come up with the Pan Am Games playlist. Yeah. Right? And then, then we'd have TIFF after that. So, then you had to come up with a TIFF playlist. Yeah. And so it was a lot of these kind of like you would kind of have to kind of stretch and like this is sort of movie about movies. This, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like you're kind of working harder than you need to. You know what I mean? But I 
I think it was a good thing that Google bought it up because I don't think Songza was totally fully working in terms of that because of that aspect, which is like, I don't think people are sitting around generally and like, I want to hear like a Pan Am Games playlist. If they see it, they'll click on it, but I don't yeah. think it's not something that people are kind of wanting. Does that make sense? Yeah. What do you? What do you, you know, I, on on the way here, I, I walked by a sign that said "The Beatles now on Spotify." Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I think this is one of the issues where um, streaming is going to have it's going to be problematic um, because Taylor Swift, for example, she uh, pulled all of her stuff, but then she went to Apple. Right? Adele initially, when she released her twenty five album, she wasn't on anything. Now she's doing some stuff with Apple, I think. Yeah. She's so, on Spotify as well. She, is she on Spotify yeah, as well now? Yeah. So that's the thing. I think this is going to be an issue where it's just like it's going to be based on um, uh, artist power now. So if you, it's the same thing now like um, with TV, the way TV is getting all fractured, right? If you want to watch House of Cards, you have to get Netflix. But mm-hmm. then there's you want to watch Game of Thrones, so now you have to watch, you have to get HBO to go. Yeah. Now, but you have a kid, so you have to get Nickelodeon to go or whatever their Nickelodeon thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that's you have to jump or, around, or you just stream everything illegally. Torrent, torrent. Yeah, that's the best solution, right? Because then that and that was originally the the best way. And like TV was a good example for that. You would just sit down, and all you would really had to do is figure out whether it was on NBC or whatever. You know what I mean? And then you yeah. just watch Friends, you watch Seinfeld, and then you go on your way. And so I think the the fracturing now is going to be pulling people. So you end up having to get Spotify because then you want to listen to Beatles. But then you want to listen to Adele, so then you have to go over to Apple. And then, you know what I mean? So I think that's going to be really um, annoying to people. I find it annoying already, and we're still in the early stages. Um, what, does I, it, what does it mean for, the, for, the, you know, for musicians, for bands, for uh, you know, performers, uh, of music, you know, what does it mean to them that a large majority of their fan base, uh, a large majority of consumers, are accessing their music digitally? I think a couple of things. One is, it takes. This is the thing that people don't also talk about a lot when it comes to like all this kind of digital whether you you're doing torrents or whether you're doing spotify is it takes a lot of time a lot of time to build up a fan base right mm-hmm. some bands can do it right out the gate like adele's only on i think her third album right yeah and she's like a monster like hit mm-hmm. there are some bands that um take a lot a lot longer you two took about uh four or five out al- well, maybe four albums in right they kind of hit it around war. It's not really, you know what I mean. So, it ta- the the climates are always changing, but it takes a long time for people to um, become a fan. And I think the problem is that when you have stuff like Spotify, one of the issues I think is that it becomes an open buffet. And when you you've been to an open buffet, and when you go to an open buffet, you're not really going there to enjoy the food. You're just shoveling it in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with music. I think you end up then losing um, the nuance of it. You need you need to, you start becoming a fan of somebody when you feel the need to put a song on repeat. When you want to hear a song or whatever, or something good happens, like, we got to put that song on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when it starts to work into your life, when you start to have that emotional hook, mm-hmm. um, and then when a band can then do it a couple of times, you're like, yo, these guys are all right. Right? And I think with Spotify, because it just keeps going to the next one, to the next one, it's like, have you heard these guys? Have you heard these guys? Have you heard these guys? So you get a lot of these one-hit wonders, but you're not getting a lot of emotional connections with a band. It's a lot like dating, but like, yeah, you're not you're not looking for the one. 
what does it mean to the art of of an album? You know, I remember an album. You know, there was a beginning and there was a middle and there was an end. You know, you could tell. Yeah. Um, wh- what does it mean to that when people now are, you know, collecting singles or they're listening to singles? They're not listening to a full album. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think the so there's two things. One is for certain people, it's always going to work. Rihanna is a great example, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't need to put out an album. She puts out one or two great hits, like dance floor type hits or whatever. And uh, the place is popping. Everybody's having a good time. There's girls in shorts. Fantastic, right? <laughs> that works for Rihanna yeah. and for me. Um, but then the other thing is for the bands, um, Radiohead, U2, that want to put out a proper concept album, I think that's for the bands that are coming up now, I think the way that they um, express their creativity, I think that's going to be the challenge. Because it is a lot of work and it takes a lot of talent to execute a vision. And to have that vision. Hmm. And so the creativity is going to be an issue. And I think execution is going to be an issue. It doesn't matter in the end of the day whether people buy it or listen to it or not. As long as you can actually execute your vision, that's the hardest part in being an artist. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, was it this past summer, was it? Drake puts out a diss track? Yeah. And it gets nominated? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But he uploaded that to SoundCloud. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. And so, but see, someone Drake's a great example where he can just keep putting out tracks like that and just upload them to SoundCloud. Yeah. And they, they hit. So, you know, where's the, and maybe Drake is the bad example, but where's the, you know, for those people who are, you know, hand to mouth trying to figure out how do I make a living out of this? What is it? How does all of this impact them when they see, oh, damn, you know, you know, Drake put out something on SoundCloud and it's nominated, you know, but, you know, not making any money off of that song, um, you, you know, and, and they'd say, okay, a lot of people listen to it, but, you know, we're not getting a penny. Yeah. You know, from, you know, what does it mean to them when the sort of, the old model is broken and everything is up in the air in terms of, you got to figure this shit out. If you're not a Justin Bieber, if you're not a Adele, or Adele you're yeah. going to have to figure another way, you know, to monetize your Correct. Art. And this is the thing. So, the which is actually kind of goes full circle to what we were talking about before with like when we were talking about National Post interviews and stuff like that is one of the aspects that you now have to develop as an artist and a creative person is you have to develop an entrepreneurial spirit and you have to figure out you have to make connections you have to network you have to do stuff beyond traditional music methods because those are not working anymore even getting your stuff onto Spotify or iTunes or whatever is great but it doesn't pay you enough like you said hand to mouth yeah and so now you have to figure out different opportunities and stuff like that and there's there's a lot of cool things that are happening now uh converse rubber tracks converse the shoes yeah they open up a studio in brooklyn and a band can come in for free and record three songs and they provide an engineer and everything like that interesting so corporations are doing some really cool stuff like that um uh, what do you call them? The uh, Sour Patch Kids. They had a house in um, Austin, Texas for South by Southwest. I think it was the last year. And a uh, band could stay, but they had to perform a song, right, to stay in the house. Interesting. So there's different things that are happening now um, that you can kind of um, do, but you need to, A, partner. It's just, A, it's always being ready. So you need to partner with people or companies or look for these opportunities. Yeah. Um, because the other thing, too, is, it, companies now are, are obviously on the hunt for those things, right? You kind of do some of the stuff in the digital yeah. world or whatever. So 
they're looking for companies want to be cool basically right and bands have no money so it's a good marriage if you can f- if you can get them together figure out a way to to hook up with a company you know whether it's what was that walk walk the earth was mm-hmm. that, you know their a bunch of their songs have been yeah um you know taken um feist feist is a good example you know, too yeah you know she sort of sold her her music to companies but like i said at the beginning though it takes a long time to build an emotional connection yeah. to like people right like I forgot the number. It's Matthew Hall. Matthew Hall, I think, holds about maybe 2,000 people or so. Yeah. Right? That's a lot of people, like, to fill it. Like, Feist can do it. Sure. But Feist couldn't sell ACC, right? Interesting. Um, uh, so, th- you know, and that's the thing with music, right? You have these progressions, these cues. So you start off at the Cameron House. You can probably fill the Cameron House on a good day. Bring all your friends. Yeah. They all buy beer. You can probably fill up the Cameron House, right? And then you work your way up. We used to have, like, uh, the Cool House, but now I guess we have the Opera House, mm-hmm. Phoenix. Those are a little bit more bigger venues. Yeah. You keep working your way up to Massey Hall, and you can tell your progression. But the problem is, that, like I said, it takes a long time. So you, A, have to be incredibly patient. You can't just plant a seed and then keep digging it up and see if it's sprouted yet, yeah. right? Like, you got to plant it, water it, walk away. Let the sun do the work, uh, photosynthesis, or I don't know what else <laughs> for this metaphor. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I remember you telling me a story uh, about, and it wasn't really a story. But I, I guess it was more of your thoughts on, on why a very, very popular band in Canada, Tragically Hip, never made it internationally. You know, I'm sure there's a couple of pockets in Europe maybe that really yeah, love them. But like... The opposite of the Tragically Hip is Bare Naked Ladies. Bare Naked Ladies toured Canada. Uh, sorry, they toured the States extensively. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Yeah. The Hip didn't tour the States as much. Yeah. And so now they're only pop, pop, popular in places like Texas, a couple of places in Texas. Our Lady Peace was another one. Yeah. Huge band back in the day here. Yeah, yeah. All right? And I think they had one album. I um, can't remember which one it was now. But it sold about a million copies in the States, which mm-hmm. isn't bad. Yeah. But New York City's eight million. Right, so <laughs> California's thirty million people. Yeah. Right, so the numbers don't mean as much. Like when you sell one million copies across the United States, yeah. right, you're not denting really a lot. And the na- bare naked ladies were a great example because they just went over and over, and then they started writing for the American audience. Like one week was a huge hit in the states. Yeah. Right. They they got past the quote unquote the Canadian thing. Drake was a great example too. He got out of here, out of the system, signed with Little Wayne's uh, label, Young uh, Cash Money, and then writing for an American audience. Interesting. And yes, he still does. He still does. He sneaks in like from the six and like yeah, um, mentions certain streets and these kind of things. Right, shoots his videos in Toronto, blah blah, blah all that stuff. But it's all American money for an American audience. Yeah. And that unfortunately is like because it's, it's not because it's American, but because like the population is so huge, yeah, that it makes sense financially. Yeah, and that's the thing you have to Canada. Like the other thing too is with Canada, it's such a big country to tour. Yeah, right. It's a lot of real estate with ten percent yeah. of the population of the states. So, like I said, California is thirty million people, which is exact same size more or less of Canada. Yeah, and you have San Francisco, you have San Diego, yeah. you have L.A. Yeah, you know how many universities you have. You can just go touring in California for a month, a solid month, all up and down California, and yeah. you can open up a lot more doors, a lot more connections, meet Hollywood people. You can do these things, right? Interesting. You have to just go where the industry is. Yeah. You could still stay here. Like yeah. Drake's been living in LA for years yeah. now, right? He hasn't been living here despite 
representing Canada and all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's the thing. You that's and that's part of the other thing with what I was saying with creativity is you have to decide how small or how big you want to get. Mm-hmm. Right? Some people are quite comfortable and they just want to put out a nice little album um, and then just go home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ron Sexsmith strikes me as that way. Yeah. Right? He's really happy with where he's at. He probably gets enough money just to pay the bills. He gets to do his creativity. Yeah, he's not uh, even that huge here. Yeah. He's all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then I'll see him on Queen Street, and I'll, every now and then you'll see somebody stop him. And, like, you know what I mean? He gets a little love, yeah. but not too much love. Like not he can, too much. He can walk down Queen Street, and he's all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Compared to, like, Chris Martin or Bono or something, right? Yeah. Um, and that's um, Daniel Lenoir is another one, a really great Canadian uh, writer. I mean, he's done a lot of work with you too, so he got some checks. But, yeah. Um, but he's also like for when it he's comes like an to Uber producer, Uber guy. producer, yeah. yeah. But for his own music, though, he's yeah. just kind of happy to put out the album. Yeah. And then he doesn't really promote it. Maybe he does a couple of shows here and there in Toronto, and then he kind of goes on his way. Yeah. You know what I mean? He has the luxury, of course. Like I said, the checks coming in from the YouTube money. Yeah. But generally, like for him, it's not. Even, and he owns a number of studios. So he's kind of just happy, and he just kind of goes on his way. Interesting. And I think you, everybody has to kind of decide the size of your career because this is the thing. I, I think at the end of the day, with um, all entertainment, all the stuff I've been doing, like with movies, with uh, journalism, with uh, music, all that stuff, is that there really isn't like a proper middle class. You can't really make like fifty to seventy grand doing this kind of stuff, being a movie actor. You know what I mean? It's hard. You're either going to make a lot of money or you're going to make no money. Basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just weird. To ha- you might have a year where you make like 50, 80 grand and then that's great. And then you can pay off the mortgage and all that stuff. But generally, yeah, you're going to be making either a lot more money or not very much. And yeah. so you have to make the commitment then to try and go uh, to make as much as you can. Not because I'd agreed or anything like this, but because then that buys you the time, which is what you need to be creative. And then you need to have also sometimes to funnel your own opportunities. Mm-hmm. Right, you don't always have to keep going to Kickstarter. Sure, right. That's interesting. So that it makes more sense because there's a lot more money on the table to go after it, mm-hmm. but you have to have the courage and know your worth. The other thing too that's really weird is like um, the reason I did a lot of that stuff, the reason I bounced around a lot, is because I I want to learn. Like what I don't know is huge. What I do know is very small. Yeah. Right. But the things that I'm like writing, I'm good at writing. But when you say that, people think you're like Tom Cruise, cocky, or like, <laughs> does that, you know what I mean? It comes across as like people should should just friend you on Facebook just to see the stuff that you come up with. There you go. Thank Very you. Very entertaining. Very entertaining. But um, but that's the thing, and a lot of people have this kind of like weird insecurity or like, oh, I'm fraud police or whatever. Like, if people find out I'm not really good at this thing, I'm like. Nobody knows how to write a song because there's no right way to write a song. There's no right way to write a novel or right way to make a film. Mm-hmm. You do whatever works for you, right? And so, and you keep making your mistakes and you learn and you grow. And that's the, that's what I find to me is the most exciting thing about the creative journey is just like trying to overcome um, the mistake, like adapting from the mistakes that you make and then just kind of keep going and evolving and then see where you end up. That's cool. And today finds you at. Girth Radio. Hanging out with you. <laughs> Hanging out with you. Awesome. What's what's your role here at Girth? Um, I guess the Fancy Pants title is Program Director. But again, it's just kind of like a mishmash of all the stuff I've been doing. So I'll write some stuff for the blog. Um, I'll work with some of the DJs. Um, we're still recruiting some of the DJs. We're still setting up people. We're still... Girth is not... It's just about a year old. So we're still kind of getting that vision... Um, articulated and trying to get it um, fun. 
And just making sure that everyone has a good time too. We're a radio station, an online radio station in a bar, so it should be a good time. It better be a good time. It better be a good time. Awesome. What do you What do you see happening that you feel is going to be really, really cool um, in the world of entertainment? Um, you know, this year. I think all the issues actually that we talked about are going to continue to be challenging. Um, there's a there's um, Spotify is getting uh, sued. There's a lawsuit for Spotify. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'm not sure how that one is going to go. Um, I think um, movies are still going to continue getting bigger, like what we saw with Star Wars or whatever. There's a whole bunch of Marvel movies and all kinds of stuff coming out now. Like I don't know how people are not exhausted. I think that's a lot like the Toronto housing bubble. You know how people keep saying every year it's going to break, it's going to pop. It's I'm gonna... waiting for it to break. Yeah, and it, <laughs> everyone says it every year, and then and then you look at how much money Star Wars made. You look at like Ant Man made over five hundred million dollars. Ant Man? Yeah, made over five hundred. China helped. Oh my god, China. So, <laughs> I know. Uh, so I think this is the thing. So we're gonna get more. Uh, I know you're gonna have to buy your kid a lot of popcorn this year. My goodness. Yeah. Um, so I think everything's gonna. And that's that's what we were saying before about movies. Like, um, the Marvel movies will continue to make a ton of money, but then the Woody Allen stuff maybe just scrape by or just yeah. bake even or whatever. And he doesn't give a flying. No, he doesn't know. care, right? Like he's he's Woody Allen. He can still keep making movies. And like I said, some of them will make enough money to yeah, yeah. like you know, uh, or just break even. So. That's entertainment, right? It's either like your Star Wars and you make a crap load or your Woody Allen, right? And then there's a handful of Marvel ones in the middle. That's true, man. Sammy, so, thanks for popping in, man. Yo, this is fun, man. Is fun? Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate it. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year.